Hello. <laughs> Woo. Hey guys, we are back. Wow, what a year. Hey Charlotte. Hey. I can't believe it. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, it's gone so quick as well. No, but it's nice. we are back with season two of Black Women Rising, the Untold Cancer Stories podcast. And we've got a proper sound engineer, Harry. Hi, Harry. <laughs> He's waving, don't worry. But um, so we've just spent about half an hour bloody setting ourselves up. We've got it all professionally done this time, Charlie. Yeah, all technological, yeah. loving the setup. Got a nice little mic, or big mic. Yeah. But yeah. And you know what's crazy to think that we set this up, you know, last year. And remember when we first brought it out, it was just a little thing that we did just to keep in contact with our ladies, really, wasn't it? Yeah. This is like a proper upgrade. This is a proper upgrade, guys. And what's happened in the last 12 months? Bloody podcast series number one. Then we had the men's one. Yeah. We had our magazine launch, the Black Lives Matter movement. We had so much amazing things more support groups, you know, we'll launch more. Yeah, more support groups. The team's grown. We've got a massive yeah. team now. It's been crazy and it's been such an amazing, amazing time. So thank you guys, our listeners, for just joining us on this journey and just always, you know, all the love from the first podcast into our second podcast. Also, all our sponsors and all the people and all the brands that have backed us over the last year. So, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be possible without our amazing supporters and our brands and all the people that we work with. So thank you so, so much from the bottom of our heart. So, yeah, welcome to episode one. And we wanted to dive straight in with something that has been really topical for us. We're going to go in for the kill with our first episode because I know yes. that this is going to create a lot of awkward conversation, but we're going to go straight in with race and cancer because really and truly our organisation only exists because of the inequalities that happen within the cancer world, with our mm. communities. And, you know, when I started this organisation in 2018, it was because of my own experiences with my own cancer journey, but also the cancer journey of many other women that I met and the very prominent difficulties that everybody faced and that were, were very different from my white counterparts. So yeah. that's why this organisation exists. And I think it's so important that we continue to have this conversation about first and foremost why the organization exists but to continue to highlight the issues behind it but this episode is really special because it is come off of a really important topic of myself really receiving quite a lot of um, racial trolling you know uh, when I've been talking about my journey when I've been talking about the work of my organization and our charity and just some of the crap that comes our way you know, and has come my way. And the most recent um, example of that was, you know, and it's it's no bad for, you know, for the charity in question, I, I don't blame them at all, but it just happened to be on a public platform um, with a charity that we work very closely with. Um, and, you know, our work was attacked. You know, our work was attacked. I was attacked personally, along with many others. So, this episode really is about highlighting that. And that was a big thing, wasn't it, Charlotte? Yeah, like, how did that make you feel? Because obviously I'm there in the background, seeing everything kind of go on. But especially when they're attacking you as a person, 
when you're doing so much good stuff with the community? Like, how does that actually make you feel? Do you know what? I feel like I'm used to it. Like, I've run a business for 20 years. I'm quite hard as nails when it comes to work and the backlash that you can receive when you're trying to do something good, particularly when you're serving community. I think that that always... Um, I think you're going to get backlash for it. So when it came to this, I never took it lightly, taking on the role that I've taken on as a representation of this charity. But it does hurt, you know, when you're trying to do good by people and you're trying to say to people that our work isn't racially motivated. Um, We're only trying to provide a safe platform for our marginalised community. Um, it It does definitely hurt. And I think from the last situation and why it's so important to talk about it now is because it wasn't just me. I actually didn't respond to a lot of the trolling. It was these women that we're about to invite on to speak about it. It was actually them women that actually inspired me to create, you know, this episode and to create the event that we done last night, Race and Cancer. Um, That is the reason why, you know, their reaction from it and, and how they dealt with it and how difficult it was for them to deal with. And then it made me sit back and say, actually, no, I've been putting up with this for the last few years. And you know what? It is wrong. And it would be wrong of me to pretend like that doesn't happen. So it's so important to be able to continue the conversation and and let people know how we feel, but also guide people as, you know, especially charities and brands and the people that we work with, how best to deal with that stuff when it arises. Yeah. I just love the way you handled it. If no one's seen it yet, on Leanne's personal Instagram, she had on this long black coat. She looked like a boss, like the way she handled it. And like on her IG, it was amazing, inspirational, how things should be handled. Thank you. Thank you. I do try. I do try. But we're going to get into it. Let's invite the lovely ladies on to the podcast. So... Everyone, I'd like to welcome our amazing panel today. Welcome, ladies. Ladies in the house. <laughs> uh, welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. So, first up, we've got the lovely Helena, who is from Southampton. She's a twice surviving breast cancer warrior. She was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014 and then again in 2017. She's a dancer and a sports coach and a fitness instructor. And she's also a mother of two beautiful children. Then we have Chrissy, who's a body confidence coach, and she's from Birmingham, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer, age 39, um, had chemotherapy, a mastectomy and a reconstruction, and her cancer returned four years later. Um, and we also have Clover Lewis, who is a post-mastectomy bikini and swimwear designer, um, and she's also a style transformation coach. And she was diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer. Welcome, 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 ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So first of all, ladies, because, you know, I spoke a little bit about you guys in our intro and we're going to really get into this, okay? because we've obviously been through quite a lot in the last couple of months together. I just wanted to ask you guys, what is your experience of going through your cancer as a black woman? Oh, who goes first? Elena, you might as well. (laughs) Do you know what? First of all, I think it's important to highlight the fact that um, I don't know if this this is for people in general, but overall, I kind of feel like I was somewhat ignorant 
to the things that were happening to me and around me. You know, like, you know, like when, when you have an argument with somebody and then two days later, like, man, I should have said this. It was kind of like that. It was like, in hindsight, I was looking back at stuff and thinking that wasn't right. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't right. It was because of the way we are programmed mm-hmm. to think for, for racism and, and issues for us as black women mm-hmm. and black men uh, going through cancer treatment to almost kind of think, oh, well, you know, I don't want to make a big deal about it. And, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's just the way it is. Do you know what I mean? So sort of like a, I kind of had shades on, you know what I mean? I, I didn't really see it for what it was for, for a while. But then coming coming through and and meeting everyone here with, with Black Women Rising and the Leon Perro Foundation and kind of discovering other people that can totally get where I'm coming from, I've been able to then look back and say, okay, so when I got all of those bits of information on my leaflets and there was, you know, 79-year-old maple, you know, little old white lady who had breast cancer, I'm like, okay, so what, does nobody under the age of, you know, a certain age get breast cancer? How come I'm 36 and I've got breast cancer? And then I'm looking further and I'm thinking, okay, so there's literally not one black person in this whole magazine. Yeah. Then obviously the thing with uh, with my wig, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the famous wig story. Um, you know, I waited eleven weeks in the end to get a wig from the cancer uh, charity, from the cancer department in the hospital. Yeah. By which point my hair had started growing back, so it's kind of useless. But I had to then fight and fight and fight to say, look, just give me the money and I'll buy my own because not one of the wigs that they had available was anywhere even close to suitable. I was told, oh, well, coloured women like yeah, to try, yeah. you know, they like to have straight hair. Yeah. Wow. Like, oh, whoa, someone just said coloured? Yeah. Like, what What? What, <laughs> what the, year are we in? <laughs> is this 1952? What the f- and, Are and, you from uh, the past? Yeah, you know, and then, um, hey, why don't you, this is a great opportunity for you to try something new. Oh shit! <laughs> I wish you told me that ten years ago before I went and decided to go and get myself breast cancer just so I could try something different. Yeah, all these things are popping up. I'm trying like, a whole lot of difference here. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, um, but yeah, the the wig thing was a big deal, and even like ways that I was treated. God, and it was so subtle. It was so, so subtle, but even ways that I was treated by certain people within the hospital, you know, certain nurses who Mm. maybe thought I was a little bit too loud or a bit aggressive or a bit too demanding because I would just stand up and be like, no, I don't like this. I'm not cool with that. I'm not happy with that. Do you know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, my experience on that side of things, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's the first time I'd been there. So second time round, I was a horrific patient I was horrendous I was really really (laughs) I was very demanding I knew exactly how things were supposed to go I knew what I would and wouldn't accept um and I think actually the second time around is when I really noticed it the most Mm -hmm. would a white lady be able to say you know complain about something and it be dealt with differently I don't know I don't know but um yeah my experience as far as that and then not being, you know, not being able to kind of really talk to anybody about it. Obviously, I had two wonderful people in the group that I was a member of in the yeah. beginning, which was Clover and Christina. Other than that, 
that was really it do you know what I mean so I think that pretty much sums up my experience (laughs) no definitely definitely what about you Chrissy well my experience was also difficult and like Helena said before you know I had Clover and Helena to lean on so I I just felt like like Helena said I felt like I was making a fuss about things that I really should have had so just to give an example um, I was diagnosed um, the first time, 2014, and then I found out that I needed to have chemotherapy. So again, um, I asked for a wig. Um, I had a wig appointment. When I got there, it was um, an older white lady, and I've been wearing wigs for years. I'm yeah. one of those black girls that wears wigs. Yeah. So I was excited about getting this wig. I was like, go on, NHS, let's see what you got. So I phoned <laughs> up. I was saying, we've got a lace front. Is it Remy hair? And the woman was already confused by those kind of questions. When I saw the magazine, it was a huge, thick magazine, like the old style yellow pages, full of all these blonde chicks with a fringe, old curly styles, roller set styles. And I was was confused. So I was flicking through the magazine. I was thinking, none of these wigs are suitable. And then I said to the lady, can I try one on? And she says, oh, we've only got it in blonde. Mm -hmm. So I tried it on. I was like, damn, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Flip yeah. the script, it actually looks okay in blonde, but yeah. you know, I didn't want a blonde one. I didn't want to look like, you know, a rock star sort of thing. Yeah. So I went, should look good in a blonde wig. You'd <laughs> like good in any wig. wig. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit much for day to day, but I could have definitely worn it on the night. Yeah. Anyway, so mm. I kept looking through the magazine, none of them were suitable. And then at the end of um the woman showing me all the white styles, the lady pulled out this thin, thin leaflet. And she said, oh, this might be suitable. And that was the black leaflet. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> black leaflet. Okay. And I was thinking, in my head, I was thinking, I'm obviously black. She can see I'm black. Why did this chick pull out this leaflet from day one? Not Why really. make me go through all the, all the blonde, white, and stuff that wasn't going to suit me when she had this gem? Oh. Yeah, so I just thought the whole process was a bit long-winded. Yeah, so not not great for wigs. I just Absolutely. think that, that people need to be more knowledgeable. You know, I don't want a wig with a white scalp. That doesn't mean I'm racist. And it just means that... wrong now. Can you believe that? After exactly. All the After all the time. Years, yeah. still getting it wrong. Yeah, they yeah. still are. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to have a wig with a pink scalp. I want a brown yeah. scalp because I'm brown. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking for... You're meant to, You're made to feel like you're asking for too much. But just demanding right. like colour, you know, colour matches. Mm-hmm. And th- another thing happened with the breast thing as well. Um, when I went to see my surgeon, um, I'd, I'd read a few leaflets, spoken to, you know, Helena and Clover. And actually it was Clover that, that highlighted me. She said to me, there's a couple of things, you know, as black women. Number one, we have keloids. And number two, we have denser breasts. So mm-hmm. with that information, thank you, Clover. I went to my surgeon, I I said to him, right, my my friend has told me, you know, there's a couple of things I need to be aware of that we have denser breasts and we might get keloid scarring. So, you know, you want to give me a mastectomy and reconstruction? I just need you to be aware because I've I've never had major surgery, so I didn't know if I was going to get keloid. So I said to the surgeon, I said, please, can you show me some, some black breasts that have been reconstructed? And at that point, I was made to feel like, I was being a nuisance. Yeah. I really needed to see on a black woman how this was gonna, yeah. Yeah. how it was gonna turn out. Yeah. Right. You know, I, and I, I was made to feel like it was vanity. 
Let, mm. let, partially, wow. it might be in a little mm. bit of vanity because you know yeah, I want to rock a good cleavage. Yeah, it's what you deserve. Yeah. It's yeah. your body. You live it's, with this body. Full exactly. stop. No yeah. one can tell you how whatever is going to be done to your body is good enough. You need mm. to be happy. You need to be satisfied. They are there to serve you. You're not yeah. being a problem. They should well, know their place. In anyway, the end, they, they, they showed me some photos and my mum was actually there and I saw my mum's jaw drop yeah. because the photo, they must have just had two stock images and they weren't pretty. It was like <laughs> a reconstruction that had gone wrong. Yeah. I literally yeah. saw my mum's face and yeah. I'm thinking, that's not a great look. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm hoping mine does not end up like that because mm-hmm. this woman, she'd had keloids, it's lopsided. You know, it's probably the worst photo that they could have showed me. And I kept saying, will it look like that? Will it look like that? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The fact that they they didn't even think that it would be important to represent every type of body in those pictures. Exactly, yes. You know, they didn't even think of that, which makes it as bad as just not doing it intentionally. Exactly, yeah. It, It just felt like not much thought had gone into it and just... For me, I was just meant to feel like I was made to feel like I was being the diva. Mm. This keeps coming back a lot that we are made because we ask questions. We're made to feel difficult. And I remember being in my waiting room in my in my hospital, being in the waiting room and hearing the breast care nurses talk and referring to a woman that I knew very well. And they're referring to her as she's just another difficult one. And really? I can't believe it when I heard that. No. Was, yeah, they were talking about a lady that I was, I was, you know. Was this a black lady? Yeah, it was a black lady. Yeah. yeah. And there was three white breast care nurses, and they were saying, referring to her as being a difficult one. And I just wow. because she asks questions and because she doesn't, she's the first time cancer's ever probably come up for her and her family, and mm-hmm. they're asking questions because they don't know. Right. You know? right. What made me realize there's an issue with people um, and the fact that we ask questions and the fact that we fight for um, our human rights and we fight for the very basic things we are mm. you know yeah yeah mm. Clover what about yourself darling can I just extend on what you just said thanks for for that but you know we're, we're asking the very same questions it's not that we are difficult it's how we are perceived yes. if a black woman opens her mouth yes that because of the history of how we need to vocalize yes. ourselves, yeah. we are seen as dip. But listen, if it was a white woman, okay, I know you've got lots of questions. Let's address this one at a time. Let's unpack this. That's yeah. nonsense that we are trouble. It is them. They are there to serve us, but they forget. Now, I used to be a physiotherapist. Now, I can't, let me go back to what I was speaking about. Sorry, what you've asked me about. But the thing that I keep in mind is literally, I as a medical professional, I'm here to serve. I've chosen to do that. I'm not here to give my opinion on what my patient is. I'm here to serve. And I don't think that we are difficult as black women. I think it's the perception of us that's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stereotypes. We know absolutely angry black woman, you're this, you're that. Come on, we know it. We already know how that is. And we know from the very top up how that yeah. is perceived down. And that's not just in healthcare, that's in everything we do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. People, people can't be naive. You know, I, I don't think people can get away with being naive now to think that this is not 
going across the board at what we're, yeah. you know, we stand up for ourselves or we assert our authority. Oh, she's aggressive. She's angry. She's got issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I found particularly difficult for me is um, how, as a black woman, I, I, well, I still am, but I sat having cancer, being at the intersection of being black, being young and looking young and being heard. And my situation, because I look young for my age, Mm -hmm. um, that stereotype of me looking young, therefore, as a young woman, I can't get breast cancer, for me, was like negligence. Because Um, they are the professionals. mm -hmm. They're the ones who are, again, paid. And they should know with the amount of young women who are being diagnosed, it's increasing. So that me was particularly difficult especially because um I was misdiagnosed and I had to really be firm about having an elective surgery to have it removed don't worry about it Miss Lewis no it's all good don't worry about it. it's like no take it out take, take this out. thing out yeah. and yeah. when they took it out mm-hmm. <laughs> I was called in and I I was in a situation which I would never wish upon anyone. I was in this very small room. Mm-hmm. I was asked if I wanted to have a student nurse come in. I thought, oh, a student nurse. I've been in that position, you know, come mm-hmm. into the room. You know, she's got to learn and all this. Mm-hmm. And then there was a visiting clinician, my breast surgeon, um, who, you know, my eventual surgeon, my breast and my boyfriend at the time and me. So we're in this little room and there's seven people. I'm a Jamaican. I thought it was a party. Bring it on. Yeah, exactly. It's like, phew. And then all of a sudden, oh Miss Lewis, you've got breast cancer. And I my boyfriend had a nosebleed. That was the level of the pressure we were under. I mean, he lit, I didn't even know he was a feeder. Bam, he had a nosebleed. There's these people, strangers. What benefit is it to me to have a bunch of people in a room when I'm getting devastating news. Mm. For me, I think that that ridiculous. Was, it was. It was. I. I will never forget. That's horrific. That. I will never forget that. And then mm. I then asked for my notes because they told me I had cancer. Fine. Mm. I didn't know there were different types of cancer. I went to get a second opinion. I asked for medical notes. They gave me a hard time. Give me my medical notes got them looking through, oh, this is negative, oh, this is negative, oh, this is negative, went to the best care nurse and said, well, what is this thing? Why are these negatives? Oh, oh, you've got triple negative breast cancer. Like, okay, what's that? Me, go to Google. Yeah. Effing hell. Younger mm. women, mm-hmm. African descent women, mm-hmm. highly likely to die from this thing. No one told me. That's vile, Clover. That's absolutely vile. It is awful. And the thing is, because I've got a medical background, that I was able to see that. And just because I'm not the norm, yeah? The norm is a woman who experiences the fear like I felt, Mm -hmm. who's gone in not expecting this bad news, having to make a lot of decisions all at once. Everything is just flying past your ears. And then I am a black woman. And then I'm having a different level of treatment. So for me, I've got, I'm very fortunate. I'm also very fortunate to be able to help my girlfriend, like Christina. I mean, some of the things I've told her should have been a medical professional Mm -hmm. telling her. But because I am Black, medical training, passionate about helping my women, 
then I was able to put that across. But I think that in itself highlights the fact that we are not being serviced, we are not being treated well, and our needs are not being met. If we have to go into our communities to get that, there's something very wrong, mm-hmm. You're very wrong. You're so right. And do you know what, funnily enough, I'll take you guys back to the piece of research that we did really, wasn't it, over the, I think some of you guys were a part of our 100 Women Survey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the findings from this, and it's funny because we released this, didn't we, on February the 4th, World Cancer Day. Yeah. And it's so funny. I, I obviously, you know, check out a lot of talks or things and you know write-ups that can uh charities and, and people are writing about stuff and you know what this survey still hasn't been referred to by professionals yet because they don't class this as important whereas for me some of these findings and we didn't expect to even get some of these findings are astonishing but they won't refer to it in their reports and this is valid evidence of the that some of the things, the indifferences that we face every day in cancer, and they won't refer mm-hmm. to it, but I will make sure that they do refer to it because I'm I'm mm-hmm. going to make sure that this research hits where it needs it needs to go. It needs to. Yeah. You know, not being funny, just going off of the back of what Clover said, mm. you know, 46% of the women, so 46 out of 100 women, this is disgusting, almost half of the women were told, okay, by their healthcare professionals, I do not think it's cancer. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. My second, my second diagnosis, I was told about three or four times. Yeah, my breast care nurses. Oh, oh, well, it's cut. The the results have come back. Then it's negative. It says no signs of cancer. I'm like, okay, well, if it's not cancer, what is it then? Yeah, because there's a lump there. So what is it? You must tell I mean, me what it is. And they couldn't. Take it out. Yeah. Take it yeah. out. Tell they're me too, after it's they're outside too quick of my to body. Misdiagnose. This mm. misdiagnosis thing is absolutely crap. It's, it's, it's happening too it many is. times. I remember you know? myself, I was told that um, it was my arm spray. And they sent me away. And I never yeah. went back there for like a good six months until I found nodules in my neck. Good what? God. And it's not just wow. it's got, we've got a couple of young girls, younger girls on our books at the moment, and their stories are just horrendous. And it is being turned away. They were told yeah. they were too young to have cancer. It's not mm-hmm. cancer. That's, yeah, that's what I was told. Terrible. I was told my lump was too big. The doctor felt it. She says, oh, you're young. She goes, this lump is too big to be cancer. Okay. She says, <laughs> she to me it's a cyst. She felt yeah. it and said, it's a cyst. Sent me to the breast clinic. I'm thinking it's a cyst. So I'm in the breast clinic when they told me it's cancer. You're you're devastated. I'd have brought a brain. You can't do that to people. No. You cannot do that. I'd just like to bring you guys on before we go into the next question. Thanks so much for sharing that with me. Um, I think one of the big things which encompasses our work really was one of the massive findings we got on here where 96% of respondents on this survey said they do not see women of colour represented in enough. Mm-hmm. talking about cancer so if we are not seeing ourselves being represented by the brands and the campaigns and the leaflets mm. down to the very <clears throat> basic things around cancer why would we think that that was our narrative because i don't know about you guys but for me mate i went into hiding i thought i was the only young 30 year old mm. black girl that had cancer you know mm. so if we don't see that and 96 percent of women verified that if we don't see that why are people questioning or even having something to say about the fact that we've created our own movement. 
Do you understand? Yeah. And that's what I want to bring you guys to is yeah. around our incident that brought us all together. <laughs> so we okay. Have we have obviously done a little bit of an introduction about it, but, um, and I think the biggest thing to say here, it wasn't the charity's fault. It wasn't that, you know, the, the company's fault that for what the platform mm. that we were on, where we, all four of us ended up being viciously trolled. But, um, you know, someone was, a brand was highlighting our work, the work that we do underneath the Black Women Rising Project positively. And they spoke of the various different initiatives that we run for women of colour. Yeah. And it was a positive post. It wasn't nothing negative. It was actually a celebration. And um, we ended up with numerous comments. And I just, I'm going to read out a few, ladies, because I think that that's important to read out. Um, just take a warning. So I'm going to read out some of the comments that we received. So the first one was, so this was to the brand, you should be ashamed of this post when so many people raise money to help everyone that suffered and still is of cancer. It's not a colour thing. I was looking to raise more money for this charity. I'm thinking differently now. <laughs> then we had that person was. I know right. it's seared into my mind. Yes. Why yeah. that one though? Yeah. I know. <laughs> why, can't your, why can't your book be called Women Rising? Because all women suffer from cancer, not just coloured women. <laughs> coloured. Go away with your coloured. Someone wrote, every life matters. Of course, uh... they did. Yeah, that crew. Yeah. Um, someone wrote. Uh, if I created a magazine just for white women, I'd be branded as racist. Double standards. I'm white. I've had breast, breast cancer. Cancer's not racist. Someone wrote, oh, but you are. <laughs> please, <laughs> please jog on with, your, color, with your color references. You know, someone wrote this color thing really. So again, you know, there's this whole thing accusing us of race baiting, which is now you know something that's very prominent. Um, for um, when we talk about being, you know, colours, <laughs> when we talk about, you know, culture war that's being set up, yeah, that we um, are we're making noise for absolutely. just the sake of it, yeah. Um, and you know, I'll I'll just give you guys a snippet of something that I got inboxed straight to me, and someone wrote, "How fucking dare you? How is a black breast more important than white breast? You fucking racist pig." Wow. wow. Did you report them? Oh my gosh. I haven't to be honest, no, I didn't. I I just right. it, it's know, energy, it's, isn't it? It's the energy, but, it's, but again, yeah. you know, it's, it's trolling. You have this been, is what that we do. Is, this is what's been yeah. happening. And I'd be yeah. honest, from the beginning I started Black Women Rising, I'd always I've always had the comments that the comments have come. Don't get me wrong, the positivity has always outweighed these people. Yeah. And I get it that it is trolling. But one of the things, and I'll say to you ladies, all, all three of you ladies, is you inspired me first and foremost to do this podcast today. You've inspired me not only to do the event that we did last night, which is so important. And by the time that event has happened, we would have recorded this before the event. Sorry, that's why we're not referencing the event. But, yeah. um, you know, you inspired me to do the event last night because when it when it went over that, first and foremost, I'm very thankful for you backing me up. Um, that doesn't happen often, you know. I've, I've, when you get trolled, sometimes you're usually quite alone with it, and yeah. it's quite an isolating mm-hmm. place. So the fact that all three of you backed me up on that, I really, really yeah. appreciate it. As I said, Lee, oh sorry, as I said before, you come for one of us, you come for all come of for us. All of our team. 
not one of us that. is going to suffer and we're going to stand on side you come for one of us you come for all of us I really appreciate that I really really do mm-hmm. and and, the, and it was that the sisterhood and the, the chat that we had on the Monday that inspired me really to take this a little bit further and use the position that I'm in to educate not only I ain't got time to educate the public because I mm. don't really care about what the public think I think trolls are trolls and these are very unhappy mm. people behind it yeah. but I definitely think it's so important that brands need to understand and charities need to understand about how to deal with this stuff when it comes up because it shouldn't have taken us to all jump onto that post forgetting about them right now mm. from your perspective because this is important because feelings are important how did that make you feel as a black woman who has gone through cancer has and, and or currently going through cancer or still lives with cancer day to day because let's be honest now this cancer journey don't stop how did that make you feel because i will never forget that raw emotion <laughs> that monday how did that i was you? raw as well i felt mm. i felt angry i felt I felt so frustrated, but vulnerable and just, mm. just really attacked. Mm. You know, when, 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 I kept, when I saw the comments, I immediately I was texting Helena, going, Helena, yeah. look at this. Yeah. Tag me straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was mm. like, I can't deal, you know. Mm. Every day, I think as a black woman, you're going to experience highs and lows in your day. So it's, it's frequent that you're going to get racism. Some yeah. of it's microaggressions, but, but this, this was like throwing a lot at us that day yeah. it was yeah. a lot to take in and it, it it really did crush me really crushed me mm. yeah. Clover. yeah even though at the beginning when you were reading out some of the things and there was a bit of you know like oh god and a bit of giggle not giggle as in we were laughing it off but it was probably the hugest thing that i've ever experienced in a mm-hmm. public like space mm-hmm. as a woman I was raw injured. It still disturbs me. It still to my soul disturbs me because how, what part of a person can know that a woman has cancer and a black woman has cancer and can be so detached from their humanity that they could have left things as they did. And not only did they leave things, but the amounts of likes and the amounts of like hundreds of people backing up through their emojis these terrible things that have been said and for me if anyone wants to have an idea of whether racism exists in the UK this to me is one of the all-time lows that you can actually find within yourself to attack a black woman speaking about the needs of black women Mm -hmm. very sick people in this society very sick people and so as much as reports want to say oh there's no racism in the UK there's no institutional racism. Listen, hmm. that if, if anyone was in denial, just place that in front of them and then tell them to eat their words. Because yeah. for me, that was one of the lowest points within this society that I have ever witnessed and ever been a part of. Yeah. I could not believe my eyes when I saw that. Yeah. Honestly, could not believe. I know people like, oh, trolls are trolls are trolls. Trolling women with cancer? Yeah. <laughs> How how much farther, the, how much lower yeah. can you go? But there's this kind of disregard of mm. this is the thing, this the the institutional racism that we experience in this country disregards the feelings of black women. Yeah. Oh, and that, that they didn't care. 
and what I saw and what I did see. I mean, I've read out comments, ladies, I'm not going to lie, I didn't read all the things that you guys were going through. That was just a snippet of the things I saw and because I kept away from it because I know what these ignorant people are. Yeah. And it's funny, but one of the things I did see was, was one of those comments I read out um, about, you know, that particularly from that same guy that we kept talking about, mm-hmm. how many likes and emojis he was getting on them comments. And I'm glad right. that you wow. said that because mm-hmm. it, was, mm-hmm. it was people backing him up. Yeah, yes. in its hundreds. And mm-hmm. I thought, really, after a post was celebrating the work of Black Women Rising, and look at what we get, you mm-hmm. know, and this is the problem. It's a, it's a huge problem, and it mm-hmm. makes us feel invalidated. It makes us feel mm-hmm. angry. Um, you know what? Can I, can I... Sorry, Helena, yeah, of course. Yeah, do you know what? Let me butt in and say something, because... Yeah. I spoke, obviously, I spoke to you at length, yeah. Leanne, um, Clover and Christina, we all had like two plus hour conversations on the phone mm-hmm. in yeah. <clears throat> in the few days following what happened um, on that social media post. And for me, I I wasn't affected by it immediately, right there and then. Wasn't affected by it. I was very much like, "Wow, what a bunch of knobs!" Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. I and I did what I always do, and. I put them in their place, you know, and I say what's got to be said. And I and I think that comes from a, for me personally, I think it comes from a position of some privilege. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I'm mixed race. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm able to stand up against these people who are going, ah, racist, blah, black, blah, 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 black, black, blah. And then when they come for me, I go, yeah, but my mum's white. Yeah. And then they don't know how to, they don't know what to do. They don't know <laughs> yeah. how to then mm. carry on that anger towards me because they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, mm. and I kind of use their ignorance of, mm. oh, well, she's not completely black, which is what they would say, right? Yeah. Oh, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not proper, proper black. Right? <laughs> not so like I the other of, ones. Yeah, I oh, use their black, ignorance black. to constantly trip them up, trip yeah. up, trip up, trip yeah. up, trip up. And just and just head fuck them because like they literally just don't know what to say. Do you know what I mean? They'll be like, oh yeah, but is your mum like proper white or is she mixed? I'm like, she's the whitest you can get. She's from Ireland. She's got red hair, translucent <laughs> fucking skin and freckles, mate. Like she's the whitest. <laughs> so <laughs> do you know what I mean? Then they're I like, oh. they don't know what to say. But but honestly, like what what happened? And I think this is just me and how I how I do stuff. You know, and, and the years and years of, of uh, deconstructing the confusion of white people around what I actually am. And I, the way that I then dealt with it was like, you know, I, I went head to head with every single one of the people on that post. I had no problems doing that. But I know that Clover was triggered as hell like really, really upset. I know that Christina was really, really upset. I know mm-hmm. that Leanne was really, really upset. And I sat there going, why am I not really, really upset? Mm-hmm. But what happened was two weeks later, that was it, bam. Yeah. Like it all hit me. And then I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually really upset about this because it brought back the whole me having to explain myself, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, yeah. it's not just the explaining why you know, I stand on my blackness proudly, mm-hmm. but it's explaining why I'm not in their eyes 
fully black, proper black, not actual black. Oh, it's not, but not so much you, the rest of them. Yeah, Do you know I what I mean? Know. So those yeah. kind of things. And then, uh, you know, it, it's like, oh God, decades and decades of having to explain this shit to people. Um, you know, and and so yeah, it was it was it was a weird moment for me because I am that strong, don't give a shit, say what I think woman, but there are then that times where you know the leaks keep getting let through and eventually you find yourself flooded. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that, that very much was me sort of yes. two, three weeks down the line. And I'll be honest with you, haven't quite recovered from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haven't quite recovered from it. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Hundred percent. I'm really a hundred percent. It's yeah. made me yeah. I didn't even want to reveal this to you lot, but because of the honesty from you guys, it's made me almost fearful of talking again really? about my story. Yeah. Even though I I do and I still do what I'm doing and whatever, it's made me so fearful of the position I've put myself into and safety comes in. And do you know something? Can I say something? I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was at a meeting a little while ago with some people and I, I spoke about safety and I was completely... And these people were all white. I was the only black person on that meeting. And I spoke about safety. And do you know what? Safety to share our stories. Because a couple of other people sort of said to me, oh, you know, I've been approached by so-and-so to share their story, but mm. my story, but I'm not going to do it because of what happened to you. And, you know, all this sort of mm. stuff. And I, and I spoke about that. And do you know what I said was completely dismissed by them? They changed the subject really quickly. And I've noticed that what? nobody... <laughs> Everybody wanted mm. to go on that post and be like, Leanne, I support you, I support you. But mm. no one wanted to have a fucking one-to-one conversation with me about how awful it was without asserting their opinions. As mm. I keep saying, and I'm going to say it on this podcast today, we do not need white saviours. We do not right. need white mm. people no. to mm-hmm. come in and say, let me work with you in conjunction with this and we're going to save you guys. We need to be equipped to save ourselves. Yeah. And don't I agree. Want no more people emailing me saying, let's work together <clears throat> on this collaborative project so that you can look good and look like the white saviors mm. that are helping. Yeah, yeah. We don't need that. People. We don't want that. We don't want that. Mm. You need to help us help ourselves. This yeah. project exists. And it's working and it's so popular. And so many people come to our services. Look how many people are in our support groups. We've had to open up three more. Yeah. yeah. How many people are yeah. in our support groups? Why? Because there's a common denominator of cultures, backgrounds, and we all feel safe. Support yeah. that. Support that. Don't try and take that away from us and create your own, which is mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. The reality is that they they need us. They exactly. need us. Exactly. They need they need because we your charity, the voices to united on that feed, that post of yours, shows their inadequacies, their inadequacy of how to deal with this, the inadequacy to protect us in that situation because we were exposed on their site. Yeah. What struck me is how, you know, it, you know, no one had to ask us. You know, me, Christina, Helena, to get on. We're like, no, this is wrong. We're going to deal with this. Mm. That, that wasn't our responsibility, but we stepped up. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we do. We stepped and what up. would have happened, Clover, if we didn't? Good God. Good God. Because that would have just, the vitriol would have kept on going. And as I say, I've got a medical background. All of these people are saying, oh, there's no difference. Bam, here's your difference. Anything that's, you know, linked to webs sorry linked to things on google linked visible here are the photographs 
no, you know, here are the problems that you look for for breast cancer, not one non-pink body. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. All of these things, we expose inadequacies they need to deal with, but don't come and act like, oh, well, we're here to help you. No, we are helping you because you have not served us. And we are part of this population. And also with the cultural issues that we have, you know, what Leanne was actually speaking about being, because I read your story and you said, you know, how you were quite embarrassed. You didn't tell people about having cancer. I didn't tell people. I didn't know. I didn't know anyone. I thought my body had failed me. I didn't know anyone who was Mm -hmm. under 60. My neighbor up the road has breast cancer. She was 72. I didn't know any black woman. I was the only woman in that room until, coincidentally, another friend of mine, black woman, known for years, haven't seen for a while. We went through breast cancer together. And she was the only other black woman. And, you know, she was sent from heaven. Because basically, (laughs) it would have just me on my own. And that was, I was diagnosed 11 years ago. Things have changed, you know. There wasn't the um, Instagram. There wasn't people coming forward with those stories. There was me logging into breastcancer.org in America, speaking to other women, because there was no support here for Black Mm. women, and there was very little support for young women. So from that background, coming from that, now I'm like, look at that. Instagram, get them out. Show them what you got. Show us what you're going through. Because mm-hmm. we need this, because we're not being supported by mm-hmm. the professions. And yeah. in in the context of what happened on that um, stream, mm-hmm. had there been sufficient support within the medical profession as well as the you know the caring profession, yeah. you know, with the groups and things like that. That post, yeah, and you wouldn't be here. You'd be doing, yeah. you'd probably be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, expanding yeah. your dance school. Exactly. You'd be doing. We yeah. are exposing the inadequacies, and we're having to do it whilst dealing with cancer, which doesn't exactly. stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't stop. And that so that's many claps for what huge. you just said, Clover. Yeah, so many claps for what you've just said. Yeah, so yeah. Many claps for what you've just said. That's why it's we important. Don't to, we don't want to be running this charity because we shouldn't have to. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every single time a magazine, a podcast, a bloody survey that costed less than a thousand pounds to put together and they spent hundreds of grand trying to put this stuff together. Mm. Every time we keep exposing their inadequacy in catering to our needs and finding out what we really need. You know, they're spending thousands, hundreds of thousand pounds on racial equality training or um, you know, bringing in a diversity specialist who's so cor- so corporate, they've never ever lived the life or even walked in the shoes of anybody mm. that comes from a marginalised background. Yeah. Uh, they know how to pick them. You know, they don't pick real ones like us or no. offer us any jobs who know what it's like, but also mm-hmm. come from a professional background that works in communities and understands our communities' needs. No, 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 they don't recruit like that, you know? And we keep showing them up. And we're going to yeah. keep on showing them. No, that, exposure, yeah. that exposure is what's so important. It's, it it's is. really important to just... And it's fucking hard. Yes. Right? Yeah. But it know, it's why it's important. Like you said, Leanne, you yeah. know, you've now had to set up these extra groups because now yeah. people are seeing that this kind of support, which is needed, is available. And yeah. that then multiplies the number of voices that are able to then 
put out there in in the big wide world of what yeah. the issues are what the problems are how they can be solved and you know i know um like with with clover i know you're quite sort of you're quite hot on you know reporting people for trolling and abuse and yeah. and that sort of thing in 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 the same i believe in that also if it gets mm -hmm. really bad but i kind of think well let them come yeah because yeah. is it is it maybe maybe it isn't and it's not for everybody but is it maybe better to allow them to come and speak and say their piece and for you to be able to put down the facts the numbers the information the proof that blows out of the water everything that they think is correct do you know what I mean? And to keep on saying to them, no, that's not right. And this is why. No, that's not true. And this is Yeah, why. but what we're fighting for is just basic things. Yeah, very All basic. This is so true. This is so true. But how do you explain that to people? No, yeah, you can't. You, no, you don't. You have you to don't. do this bullshit round the houses mm. approach mm -hmm. to kind of get them to understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. it's not like buying a bar of chocolate. Well, this one is Cadbury's and that one is yeah. something else. Like... You can't just, and they go, oh, right, it's different. They're not going to get it. Mm. So you have to, you have to do this, you know, explain, explain, yeah, but, yeah, but, do you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and put it all down there in front of them for them to go, okay, I see that there might be a difference here. Let me go and figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's oh, what sorry, we love. do, isn't it? Is to encourage people, these mm. people that are so ignorant, it's just... I don't get it, but to to get them to be curious enough to go and find out for themselves. Who yeah. are you referring to? Just for clarity, Helena, I don't know. Are you speaking about the trolls? Are you speaking about the medical professional? Oh, who, who are you speaking about, lovely? I'm talking about the trolls, Clover, but I think oh, okay. overall, <laughs> I mean, we could really widen that umbrella to cover everybody, couldn't we? Yeah. yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know, it's the thing that comes keep on having this conversation. It's about the conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. I think like one of the comments that he said that somebody left was like, why wasn't the magazine just called like women rights and whatever? But they didn't realize like because they said if the magazine called white women rights, we'll be upset. What they don't see is all the magazines already are like white women rights and they exactly. just don't have the title. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's like can you not see? Thank you. Thank you. That was what I put to the response to something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you're yeah. so right. Like, why don't they just have magazines that, you know, imagine if there was magazines that that completely blocked out white people and, and you could never see anything that represented yourself. And every time yeah. you went to look in a magazine, you, you were confused and, and nothing you could relate to. Well, that's what's been happening to us. For yeah, decades exactly. and decades and decades, and let's just say forever. Let's yeah. just say that's forever, okay? And even if the magazine was called Women Rising, there'll be complaints. Where are the Somebody white would women? complain. But hang Somebody on a minute. That's all we've been saying to you. Where are the black women in the media? Like, yeah. everything you're saying, we've already said this to you, yeah. but you're not been listening. You and now actually standing up and showing you, it's like you got to get a little bit, like, scared and a little bit heated. Mm -hmm. Well, it's triggered. The, the, the racism is a psychosis. Mm -hmm. It's a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And when people have that delusionary state, anything that comes and challenges that, mm -hmm. that makes them realise that they're... And it's so easy to challenge racism with reality. It's so easy. Because you just give, this is a fact. This is real. And then 
within the minds of a racist, anything that comes to put them off of that position will trigger the anger that we've seen. As simple as seeing the words black, as simple as yeah. seeing black women, that will, it's just not, it's just not. So but what you're saying the, then, Clover, is that racists yes. are, are mentally ill? There's a theory, <laughs> no, I, I'm deadly serious. I'm deadly, deadly no, serious. No, I know you are. So, yeah, there's, um, because I'm, I'm a bit of a serious one, but there's a, a school of thought in, um, I believe it's in interracial psychotherapy, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, right. but one of the theories is that, um, how do I say this quickly, racism is a psychosis, mm. and that psychosis exhibits signs of, the reason why it's called a psychosis is because it delivered, it has signs that are similar to psychosis, delusionary thinking, Mm. believing in a reality that isn't a reality it doesn't exist yeah exactly so if you come and you bring anything from the real world that challenges that mentality that mental psychosis delusionary state in order to keep the status quo in their minds Mm -hmm. and in the society then there must be an absolute rejection of what it is that you're saying or doing the other part of that is the reasoning behind why it developed and the thinking is because there has been so much um, atrocities, brutality, horrible situations created since the um, the European slave trade, mm-hmm. that there has to be somewhere to put all of that negativity that has been witnessed, that has been believed. Mm-hmm. So that racism was created. So the idea of all the negative attributes that we cannot handle within whiteness gets projected onto blackness. Hence there being that binary opposition, white being good, black being bad. Mm -hmm. So if you search within all of our language, all of our visual communication, all of the negative things are attributed to black people, Mm -hmm. even though that's false. So once we start saying, that's rubbish, that's not real, that's rubbish, Someone's got to hold on to all those negative feelings. They don't want to hold on to those negative feelings. Hence the anger coming. How dare you challenge what we believe with reality? So that becomes the idea that racism is a form of psychosis. Mm. The inability to embrace and accept and go through and have the humility to say that this is the horrible things that have been done to humanity this is what we are connected to. Instead, project all of that negativity onto the source. And this is what mads our people because we then start to believe it. We question ourselves. We question yeah. this reality. Yeah. And because the rest of the world is telling us we're negative, our face is on our magazines. We're not seen as the beauty. Our attributes, our lips and our bums look good on white women, but not on black women. negative 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 ways of seeing things but the projection and then we spend our time trying to convince them of our humanity that we know is there and so this is the reason why i was asking you helena who are you speaking about these trolls but then it's it's in the medical profession i think this is just the mere existence of being a black person but a black woman we deal mm-hmm. with sexism as well as our cultural identity. Mm-hmm. And right. with that, we are constantly trying to tell the world we are human. Yes. We are valued. Yes. And mm-hmm. that 
we yes. shouldn't have to be trying we to shouldn't. convince no. people of our humanity, but especially within what? a medical situation. Because yeah, we, exactly. can we not show how much more vulnerable, how much more raw, how much more of a human can you be than when you are ill and you need help? Yes. you know that's humanity laid right in front of you and if you do not treat that person as you've taken an oath or decided you're going to help people if you don't help that person right in front of you what kind of a human being are you but yeah. having said that Clover I think yes, the, other, the other thing that we fall into is that yeah. we fall into that trap of being angry black woman yeah you know as soon as <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry but not being funny can you imagine how many people are going to be listening to this podcast, right? The first episode will always get the most views, by the way. It just does. Yeah. Most listens to. How many mm-hmm. people are going to be saying, oh, those ladies sound angry? And do you know something? Can I just say what you just said, Clover? I'll tell you something. Fast forward a year later after our first podcast series. That is exactly what it is all about, isn't it? People mm-hmm. were trying to convince the world we're normal. I remember the last yes. time on the podcast, yeah. how many people came up to me and said, Leanne, I've never, I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know that you swore. I didn't know this. And I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm fucking normal. Like, what the fuck? I'm a human being. What was that the same was? podcast that I was on and I swore constantly, <laughs> like about every three words? Was yeah. Yeah. So do you know what? I don't give a shit if they want to call us angry black women. We are yeah. angry. Yeah. We're fed up. We are fed yeah, up. Yeah, we're fed and up. We're not, and we're not putting up with it anymore. We're not mm-hmm. doing that. And that's why we're making a stand of everything mm-hmm. that we do. We're not putting it up. And it's not just us. I see some amazing black women doing these amazing pieces of work around making sure that there is just more d- discussions about how we feel, more spaces, more safe spaces for us to express mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. The same way we're doing now, more safe spaces for us to, you know, because it's not just about telling them about what they're doing or telling people about or holding to people to account. I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think it's more about us and how we feel because we harbour a lot of this. You know, even just now, what you just said, Clover, just hit me so hard about your explanation of racism and what you said about us just constantly trying to show people that we are human. How many of us, right? No lie, because I was always that girl, right? Raised in Norfolk for bloody some of my life. Yeah. I, I was always that girl that was always told, oh, I didn't, you're all right for a black girl. Oh, my God, I don't really me like, too. Don't really like girls, but yeah. how many of us, you're all right for a black girl. I used to go there in Essex all the time. You're pretty for a black girl. That's not pretty. Anyway, we're wrong. Yeah, you're pretty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you're not like those other black girls. I get that a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But until you open your mouth, until you show that you are no different, and then it's like, (gasps) oh. You speak well. What happened to the No, 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 you you are black. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I'm, I'm, you're not like the other ones. Yeah, you're not like the other ones. <laughs> I remember being in the school playground and I know that kids are obviously, you know, conditioned, but I remember somebody uh, fell over and I was bleeding and one of the kids said, It's red. Oh, your blood is red. Yeah. Yeah. Blue. But, but at the time, it must. I mean, I know at the time for me, when those things happened, mm. I wasn't armed. I was one of the only white girls growing up in school in Canada, then sent to a bloody boarding school, being one, one of three girls. And I know that the, the, the 
more consolidated black woman that I am now is not the child that was then because mm-hmm. I didn't have my allies and I didn't have you didn't have the experience and I didn't know my bloody history you yeah. know I didn't know yeah. my how interconnected we are you know and how much pride I should have had no one taught me that mm. you know but yeah. now now it's like come for me I know my history I know who I am I know yeah. you know so come for me like as a child I kind of just thought oh this is just the norm wasn't until I got older and I had other visiting experience of that no that was actually racism and I didn't even right. realize it back then mm-hmm. when until I was older. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah yeah or just it's not denial it's like we were we knew something was wrong, but we just hadn't, I didn't have the vocabulary to be able to say and to confront it because no one taught me that. It was yeah. only when I was older that I started to understand that there was a vocabulary around racism. And it's only, you know, the more, the last 10 years is when I've really stepped wholeheartedly into my blackness because mm-hmm. I had a language to be able to describe what my, my experiences were. Yes. And then I also had people to speak about. I became a lot more active within anti-Black racism. In re- and I had a vocabulary, whereas before I didn't. And I think there's certainly there's some certainly something in that. And I think with that, we are going to be seen as more and more challenging because we're bringing to the fore into discussions things that our parents would never speak about. Yeah. Or, but our parents and were if they did, generation they got... put up and shut up, weren't they? They, yeah. they our parents experienced a lot <laughs> yeah. of racism. Their way of dealing with it was this is we've come to England, let's just get yeah. on with it. Absolutely. Brush it under the carpet, you know. Yeah. With survival. survival. Survival, yeah. And bring up those kids to survive. Education was the way out. So make sure you do mm-hmm. good in school. Mm-hmm. But the the different kinds of intergenerational trauma that we experience from racism I've only just begun to express those things in words and when I think about you know being a black woman in a medical situation you know I'll give an example it's not quite um it's relevant it's not about being a patient within the NHS but it's about working in the NHS and I used to be a physiotherapist in a well-known hospital and, you know, they they often do these tests where you, they go around and they check your hands and they they check, you know, for bacterial culture to just make sure that, you know, nothing's untoward is, is growing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a senior physio telling me how I, how I needed to cover up my hair because my hair was more likely to be dirty and unwashed than the average white person. What? Yes, but wait for it. Go on. So I'm hearing that. Number one, it's bad to wash your hair too often. (laughs) But number two, more importantly, was every single doctor, every single doctor I would see take their stethoscope off touch people and put that dirty thing around their necks to go to the next patient, same thing again, same thing again. That stethoscope mm-hmm. was touching hair and that steth- and they're telling me that I'm more dirty. Me, I'm, my family is from Jamaica. We, <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. there, 
you cannot be afraid of water because you will so, not. <laughs> so for me and I'm having to hold my tongue as a medical professional I refuse to cover my hair and I did tell them but that is that is within the profession so when we come along as patients we are not as armed so the average black woman you know is going to be like oh yeah okay you the medical profession positions itself like God. You know, they know best. We're the one who are treating you. We have to be subservient or sub... And we're already much subjugated in society. So it's almost mm-hmm. like we get even pushed back further. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a strange, strange thing that we go through. But that's why, for example, I was a, a patient advocate for one of the leading charities and... You know, when as Christina was speaking about how there, you know, there are women who are begging to see images on what their surgical outcomes are going to be. Black women, you know, we had no idea, no idea what it's like. So we have to go online or ask each other, and that's mm-hmm. that's not right. That's not yeah. right. Wow. Well, I mean, gosh. Um, we got into three. it, mate. We got into it. I mean, we I did. think we could go on and on and on about this, but I think there will be time to go on and on and on about this in October when we okay. have our time um, and we will be doing multiple events. I can't wait. And it's going to be fantastic. And this is just the start of it. And I just want to say a massive, first of all, a massive thank you for you guys agreeing to do this over the last thank you. You've given me so much of your time. Um, And Mm. I just want to say, secondly, thank you for inspiring me and giving me that fire in my belly again to fight this shit. You know, good. Yes. yes. You know, we've got you. Yeah. Love you, you get numb. You get numb running this. You do. You must you do. Have to, you have to be numb. Otherwise, you won't be able to get through a day of what the things mm-hmm. I see. But yeah. this gave me the fire in my belly to say, hold on, let me realign myself with what the mm-hmm. message is here and why I started this mm-hmm. organization. And you ladies were the ones that inspired me. So I want to say thank Aww. you. And I want to th- thank you for also having my back because I don't have that enough. And that just reminded me that sisterhood is the best place to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, We've got you know, ways. Yeah, it's yes. always. always. Mm. Be it a cup of tea or a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> or both. <laughs> both yeah. This is England. It's a cricket bat. and you know some of some of your replies on that post i'm not gonna lie amongst the tears and the sadness some of your replies to the racists on that they made me laugh yes i I think i saw one of them and you were like racist can't Let's just explain that real quickly. So the guy who was like, no, I'm not going to bother raising money for this charity now. Yes. <laughs> so I went and checked on his little profile, got a picture <laughs> of him, and it was him going camping, like camping, oh, in his picture. So I put racist cunts go camping and then posted it right underneath his comment. That, oh, that no. gave me a joke for days. Oh, so no, I, I did not see that. I just went back to oh. that. And- <laughs> Mate, how, 
I hope you screenshotted that one. That's wicked. I love it. <laughs> I think she did. I love it. I don't know if I've got it as a screenshot. Oh, I'm joking. But, um, it's fine. I yeah, think you, I took you, it as you a screenshot. It well. <laughs> but you know what, guys? What I'd like, you know what? And I hope the listeners even heard us. You know, yes, we are normal like everybody else. Yes, we do swear. And you know what? No, we're not always going to keep it classy as people expect us to be and always mm. have the, what do they say? You know, take the high road, don't reply. No, do you know what? Uh, We've had enough of that. Like, mm. you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It's true. Yeah, yeah, true. Do, do you? Do you, boo? Continue the great <laughs> yeah, work that yeah. we do, live in our truth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and continue to do what we do and do it best. You know, because um, mm-hmm. what, the movement that has been created is very powerful. Yeah. We are, you know what, beyond everything, we are making waves. And I think there is a lot of change. So, mm-hmm. you know what, we need to give thanks for that. And I thank you, ladies, for coming on the show today. Thank oh, you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so our much. Our privilege, our privilege. Thank you. Yeah, Let me see thank your faces you. before you go. Let's see okay. Your faces you <laughs> go. I know I've, t- I've taken all my makeup off. Oh, I've still got the wig on. I've still got the wig on. Oh, you still got the wig on? <laughs> <laughs> and then he drags it off, you know. Yeah. Oh, wicked, wicked, wicked. Oh, oh look at the cat. Hello. <laughs> oh. Hello. Hello, yo, yo. He's looking at birds. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much, ladies. Bye, ladies. Bye, ladies. Bye. 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 Oh, wait, wait, stop, stop, oh, stop, oh, stop. Oh, I want to do a screenshot. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, Only if you make sure my picture is the biggest. <laughs> yay. I'll do it again. Okay. I'll do that again, Leah. Yay. What is going my mouth is probably hanging open on that one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it back. everybody. All right. Okay, bye, well, ladies. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was amazing, wasn't it? It was. It was so powerful. Yeah, it really, really was. And I think it was a great start to this series, um, having these ladies on because. First of all, it encompasses the great work that we're doing anyway around sisterhood and creating that, um, you know, our, our movement, you know, and what we do and what we've always been about. But I think, second of all, it really highlights why this organisation exists and why we need to exist. Yeah. Um, I've said it time and time and time again. The biggest aim that I have for this organisation is that one day it doesn't exist because we will be comfortable enough to, uh, you know, people from our community will be comfortable enough to attend services with the charities yes. that make millions and millions of pounds, yes. um, a lot more than us, and that are able to run services that they feel comfortable to go to. And our biggest goal was for these charities and these brands to work in conjunction with us, to enable us to be able to empower ourselves and create more services Um, for ourselves as well you know because that for me is just I'm sick and tired of the people that contact us and like let's do a project as if it's easy and they don't understand the the, what goes into us as a community telling our stories if we're going to get backlash how do you not know you know like one of the things that saddened me so much was you know going through you know doing an audit of charities and brands sites and looking at when they've told 
um, you know, black people's stories of cancer, how many likes and interactions do they get compared to our white counterparts? They're always yeah. low. They're yeah. always lower. So what incentive is it for us to tell our stories? What incentive is there? especially for the young girls that want to, you know, blog about cancer or want to increase followers and things like that, where there's nothing wrong with that. And they're comparing themselves to their white counterparts and seeing, listen, how comes I'm not getting any followers? How comes I'm not getting much likes? People don't like me. Why? Because of my colour. Yeah. And I think people aren't realising how much this actually affects the mental health of our community, which is why a lot of things weren't being said which again is why what we do is so important because yes. it's given a safe space yes. for Fuja to speak freely and not have to worry about those same things as exactly. if they're when they're posted by these charities. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, lots to think about, guys, but thank you so, so much for listening in. Um, once again, this is Black Women Rising, the Untold Cancer Stories. I'm Leanne, my co-host, Charlotte, and we will be back next week with another special episode. So in the meantime, take care. Bye.